You ever take a wrong turn? You ever go somewhere and, and take a wrong turn? I, I remember Sunday afternoons, it seemed like we took a lot of purposeful wrong turns. Mom and dad, who did that with their kids? We used to ride around in a station wagon and, you know, just try to figure out who used to live in that house. You, know, you ever play that game? Who used to live there? Uh, you know, we used to take a lot of wrong turns, kind of on purpose. Uh, but, but I can remember one time I was um, in Washington, D.C. on a teen trip, and, and we weren't, don't do this, teens, if you go on teen trips. We weren't with our chaperone, me and my friend Pat, and we were, we were in the Smithsonian's and, and uh, in different things. You know, in Washington, D.C., it ta- does not take long to get in the wrong area from a good area. And, and, and like just a block or two blocks, we had taken a wrong turn and we were in an awful area of Washington, D.C. Everybody's taken wrong turns from time to time. And, and, and here's the truth. Jesus was willing to take wrong turns and end up outside his comfort zone. Uh, to be with people that normally you would not think of a religious person, a good person associating with, Jesus would intentionally take wrong turns to be in their presence. Now, we've been working through this series in the flesh, and, and, and we're week four, and a building cannot contain God, but what we've seen is human flesh can, that, that God can be contained and demonstrated in the flesh of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe in our flesh when we're full of his spirit. John 14, 9 Jesus answers Philip and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So so Jesus perfectly demonstrated the Father. He showed God. Hebrews 1, 3, the first part of the scripture says, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. So so Jesus shows us God. And and when you stop and think about that, there's this marvelous thought or this this tremendous thought to me, God wants to be seen. (laughs) Think about that for a second. God wants us to experience him. He doesn't want to sit in his heavenly throne and be aloof from us or apart from us. God wants to be seen by you and me. And so Jesus shows us God. But I believe the secondary thing Jesus does is that he shows us what it means to be human, to truly be human as God has created us to be Jesus shows us how God wants us to live. And, and so we've been tracking through this, and we, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000, and then we looked last week at, what did we, who did we talk about last week? Anybody remember? Thank you. Boy, that, was, that would have been really disappointed if nobody could remember. We talked about Zacchaeus last week. And now we're going to be in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. John chapter 5, verse 1. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porticos in this lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. 
Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was a Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, so we have Jesus in Jerusalem once again at one of the festivals. There's, there's three main festivals that the Jews would celebrate. They had uh, minor festivals as well, but they had three main ones that they would, they would celebrate. Uh, Passover, uh, the Feast of Booths, and the Feast of Pentecost. And the, the law was that if you lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem, you were compelled to come into Jerusalem and celebrate the feast. Now, now practically, or they, they recommended that at least once a year, you make it to one of the feasts, if, if you were a male. And so, so th this was a, a customary pilgrimage at least once a year, if not three times a year, because some always went. And, and they would go into Jerusalem, and, 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 and even those who were from outside of Israel, even those who were not Jewish, would make their way to, the, to Jerusalem for these feasts. And that's why, remember, uh, Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch who is leaving Jerusalem from a pilgrimage to participate in one of the festivals. When, when, when Pentecost occurs, do you remember that the disciples come out and they're speaking in foreign languages because Jerusalem is full of people who are speaking something other than Aramaic. And, and so Jerusalem fills up in times like this. Now, now, the estimates of how many people were in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' crucifixion on Passover is anywhere from 200,000 to 1 million people. Uh, 200,000 is the most conservative, and some believe there were up to 1 million people in Jerusalem at the time of these festivals, at the time of Jesus. So think busy. Now, now I understand busy is relative. Uh, when, when we moved from Fairfield schools to Madison schools, uh, Madison was um, about the size of Fairbanks, and, and Fairfield was, is one of the bigger schools, I believe, in Ohio. And, and so I'd pick up the boys at Fairfield schools, and you would be lined up around the block to pick up your kids. So then I go to Madison, and, and I pull in, and I go into the library, and there's like 20 people sitting in, in, in the, not the library, the cafeteria to pick up the kids. And, and there was a lady sitting there and said, oh, it's so busy. This is crazy. I said, lady, you've not been where it's crazy busy. So I understand that, that, that this is somewhat relative, that I, I can complain. Does anybody complain when they're driving down 31 around Mill Valley because of the traffic, right? 
you know, that's not New York City traffic, but it's enough to make us complain because we like, we feel better when we complain, right? It makes all the circumstances better. <laughs> but this was busy. But by any relativity, by any measure, Jerusalem would have been packed full of people. It would have been festive and crowded. I did some, some, some looking. Anybody ever been to Magic Kingdom? But magic, busy place, right? I, I did some research and did some calculations. Magic Kingdom on an average day has 700 people per acre in Magic Kingdom. And, and not everybody's there at the same time, but that, that's just an average day. If, if there were a million people in Jerusalem, it would have been 2,000 people per acre in Jerusalem at the time of these festivals. Uh, so think three times as busy as Magic Kingdom. Now, if it's lesser, it's closer to what you see in Magic Kingdom. But can you imagine how busy Jerusalem is? Uh, if you've ever been to Magic Kingdom, they do the fireworks or they do the parade and everybody gathers for those events, right? And so, you know, then you have the mad rush to the exits and people are like rolling over you with their strollers and trying to kill you. Uh, you know, there's events in Jerusalem during these festivals just like that where everybody would gather. So, so it's just not that they're spread all over Jerusalem. Folks, this is magic kingdom at fireworks time busy. And it's festive. You know, there's reunions, they're, they're seeing friends, they're seeing people they know, they're, they're, they're being reacquainted, it's a, it's a reunion time, it's, it's stressful, but it's fun. It's like Grand Central Station. Anybody ever been to Grand Central Station? I was in Grand Central Station, I called my sister on the phone and said, man, it sounds like Grand Central Station in here, just so I could say at one time and really be in Grand Central Station. <laughs> And Jesus goes outside the normal areas, the festival. Jesus goes to a place most would avoid to be with people others would ignore. He leaves the main street and goes to this pool where lonely, desperate, sick people are. Who watches, who watches uh, New Year's Eve, the Times Square? Who wants to be there? Anybody in this room would like to be there? You know, I have one question I have when I see Times Square, how busy. You know what the question is? Restrooms, all right? How do they do that? This is like Times Square, and, 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 and Jesus leaves Times Square and goes to Skid Row. He goes... From the happy people to the discouraged people. And he does it intentionally. And he encounters a man who's been sick for 38 years. I think we read over that and we don't think of it. If you were born after 1980, will you stand up? Okay, you can sit down. 1980. Th think about what all has happened in your life since 1980. <laughs> you know, I, I graduated high school after 1980. 
I know, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm so young. <laughs> I graduated college and law school and, and got a master's of divinity. I've worked in two careers. I've been married for 25 plus years. I have three boys. Two of them are grown. Two of them are married with daughter-in-laws now. Well, they don't have daughter I have daughter-in-laws. Let's just start over. <laughs> I've lived in four states in 38 years. Anybody live in more than four states in 38 years? Thad, well, Thad, you don't count. <laughs> You're kind of a migrant. How many you lived in? Uh, yeah. Six. Woo. Man, 38 years. Think about what all has happened in your life. And this guy's been sick for 38 years. And when it started, I would imagine there were people around him, right? How many of his friends and his relatives have either passed away or moved on or let go or given up? And it just feels lonely and desolate. Anybody feel that in that passage? 38 years, desperate, helpless, hopeless. And Jesus asked, to me, which is the weirdest question, hey, do you wish to get well? Do you want to be better? You know, everybody on that portico would have said, yeah. He picks this guy out, 38 years. Do you wish to get well? I think it's interesting, but I do think it demonstrates a reality. That sometimes we like the condition that we're in, even if the condition stinks. Amen? I mean, there, there's things in my life that I need to let go of to be healthier, and I still hold on to them, right? Right? Anybody else like that other than, than me? I mean, there's, there's things that we hold on to and, and, and it's, 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 at times it's, it's as if we get used to the circumstances and we can't let go of the past. And I think Jesus is recognizing in this man that he may just be just as comfortable as can be laying by that pool, having no obligations, no expectations, and, and, and wallowing in his own self-pity. Jesus moves outside of religious norms. He's not in the temple. He's not in the temple courts. He's not in ritual. He's in this desolate place. The presence of Jesus made this desolate place holy. So stop and think about that just for a second. It's God's spirit that makes places holy. Right? It's God's spirit that makes places holy. I'm convinced of this. There are no holy places. There's only places where holy people gather. That, that God wants to turn, God wants to turn this whole 
world into his sanctuary where he reigns and he rules. And so as the Holy Spirit infills you, as the Holy Spirit indwells you, we can make God's presence known. And Jesus uses a method. This wasn't a borderline. I mean, it broke the rules. You don't carry things on the Sabbath. Jesus could have just said, hey, get up and walk. But Jesus says, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Break the Sabbath. See, these Sabbath rules, once again, and it, it, when you read the Gospels, if you, you know, I've been going through the Gospels, and uh, how many times Jesus comes into conflict with the Sabbath rules? The healing presence of God is more important than our man-made religious rules and activities. That's what matters. See, we get caught up in the ritual. We get caught up in the program. We get caught up in, in the customary. We get caught up in, the, in what makes us comfortable. But the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit is more important than any of those religious activities that we can get caught up in. I've got good news for you. See, there's good news in this. And then I think in, the, in all these, there's the good news of, of what God wants to do in our lives. And then there's the obligation that, 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 that God's grace is an, not only something we participate in, but, but God's grace is something we share. It's, it's like Abraham. I am going to bless you, Abraham, so you can be a blessing. And, and God wants to bless us and make us a blessing. Jesus wants to meet us where we are. <laughs> And the question is, do I want to be whole? Right? Isn't that the question? Isn't that the central question? When you get into this passage, do I really want to be whole? Forget about everybody else. Forget about your neighbor, your mother, your daughter, your, your brother, your father. Forget about your friend. Do I want to be whole? It starts with me. It starts with you. And we can be whole. Now, as I look around this room, some, some of you have been struggling with things for a long time, right? Amen? Can, can we admit that we struggle in life? I do. You know, some days are better than others. But, but everyone in this room has things you're struggling with, circumstances you're struggling with. And, and the reality is, I think we, I believe this, I think we can be whole regardless of our circumstances. Do we still believe that? It's hard, isn't it? If it's hard, say amen. amen. Circumstances can blind us to the reality of that God is still moving in our life. And, and Jesus wants to meet with us here. And it's, it's not about religious duties. It's an invitation to the healing presence of Jesus Christ. 38 years, 1980. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. This isn't the close, but I think we need to respond and leave space for a response. Oh, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I, I, need, I, need, I need to be in the presence of Jesus. Would you just lift your hand real? I see your hands. You can put them down. Let me pray with you. 
Lord, it's easy to get caught up in this miracle and see the man walking. But you were good in the 38 years he wasn't walking. So Lord, I pray for those in the midst of circumstances that we can't control. I, I believe you love us regardless of what we're going through. I believe you care about every circumstance and every situation we're in. So Lord, I, I pray for healing. I pray for your touch. I, I pray, Lord, though, that we would also find ourselves struck by your care for us, even in the midst of circumstances. Lord, we're not all healed. We're not all made physically whole. Sometimes we lose jobs and we lose relationships and, and sometimes these jobs and these relationships aren't healed. Sometimes life is tough. And Lord, I wouldn't be preaching reality if somehow I conveyed that if we want it bad enough, that you'll make every circumstance perfectly uh, perfectly how we want it to be because it doesn't happen that way. But Lord, help us to rest in you and acknowledge when you do move and when you do speak and when you do heal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a part in this, right? You know, good... God wants to be wrapped in our flesh. We're, we're not fully God, but we can be full of God. We're, we're meant to be the image of God. Paul writes in Philippians, think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. Think like Jesus. First John says, if we say we are his, we must follow the example of Christ. So, so the scripture clearly tells us that, that we have a part to play. And, and the question for the series has been, are you willing to allow God to wrap himself in your flesh? Are you willing to leave your comfort zones and really love desperate people? You know, church is easy. You guys, we, we're all fairly similar. You know, we, we have similar likes and dislikes. And, you know, we, we only have a few Michigan fans in here. And so, uh, uh, Clint, um, and so we, we get along pretty good. And, and, uh, God wants to be present. He wants to be present through us in remote places. Are you willing to leave your comfort zones to be with people in helpless circumstances? Well, Kobe had his six-month birthday. and I, I should have got a dog long, long ago. They're good for, for illustration. Uh, Kobe turned six months old, and for his six-month birthday, we, we gave him a nice surgery. And he's in the cone of shame. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, who laughs at their dogs when they're in the cones and they walk into walls and stuff? I it just, you know, he, I know it's mean. You know, he walks into walls and stuff. He, you know, he can't find his water dish. I, you know, I'm kind, though. I pick it up. I let him eat out of my hands. If it, so that's, that's how great I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the cone, you know, keeps him focused. You know, he can't see around. As I thought I watched him this week, I, I, I thought about our holy cones. <clears throat> Folks, we can, we can put those holy cones on, those holy huddles, 
and, and it can blind us to the reality of life, to what's going on all around us, to, to, to desperate places. If we're to be like Jesus, we're going to go to places that we don't want to go. You know, Gene, Gene, you never want to be singled out, but, but I can't help but look at Gene and see Jesus in Gene. Not, not because Gene's so great, but because God lives in Gene and he allows, Gene allows God to take him places that other people won't go. <laughs> they need to build a wing at the Gables and name it after you. <laughs> Are you willing? Are you willing to take some wrong turns? We're going to play a video in closing, then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that everyone in this room can do what this lady did. As a matter of fact, men, don't come to me after service and say, hey, this is, uh, I want to be a, 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 in ministry to strippers, because uh, I, I don't think that would be for you. Uh, but um, watch this video uh, of a lady that's decided to go outside her comfort zones and to minister to people that most of us would avoid. I was driving down the highway beside the Theater X in Clarksville, and God just spoke to my spirit so clearly, and He said, I want you to go and bring my love and my hope to women in that place. I called my husband and said, God's called me to go to women in the sex industry to share the gospel with them. The first thing out of his mouth was, yes, that's what Jesus would do. I was totally taken back by it because I was expecting a completely different response. A lot of the dancers, when we first started serving a meal, they would say, are you trying to poison us? Because they had never, ever experienced love, never experienced somebody who would do something for them without expecting something in return. Six months into starting at this club, serving week in and week out, ladies started coming to us saying, I'm being forced to do this. I just was raped last night. I'm homeless. People at my church, friends, started telling me I was crazy. My friend said to me, you'll start to become like them. I remember a woman saying to me, there's the sign to our church out front. They know where we're at. And I thought, man, this is so not what Jesus teaches. I think oftentimes in the church, you don't want to look like you're, you're, you don't have it all together. So it's easy for others to look at these women in the sex industry and say, oh, them, they're broken. Until I started ministering and working with women, it wasn't until then that I realized that I was broken myself. God showed me that we were created for Him and created for others. And when I was in my career, if you will, I was living for myself. <laughs> 